0: Okay, that's this genius. One
1: has a little star.
0: Go to audible.com slash replay. That's audible.com slash replay and get started today.
2: Mark, thanks for joining us. We have good questions for you. <laughs> I saw um,
3: I saw David Carr for an hour, less less than a fortnight ago. Um, um, and, you know, being interviewed, I mean it was a kind of it was a briefing on our, our results and, and what we're up to. And I don't know, with David, you know, with you guys, inside your head, you're thinking, I'll oh, get away with this. It'll be, you know, I can hide stuff. I can, with, with David, you just spilt the beans. Um, um, and yet he figured out, I mean, he's, I mean, I've been in journalism 30 years. I've never met anyone like him. He'd figured out a way of being a completely focused, brilliant, objective, great reporter, always, always personally reporting what he did. Um, without being ugly and mean. Most, most, most of us journalists think you've got a there's gotta be an edge to it. It's, and with David, it was like the incisiveness without the edge. And the, the other thing, obvious point to make inside that building is no one knew better than David about the separation, the need for the separation between, between the journalism and the business. But he managed to figure out a way of, of navigating that and he was loved. I mean, loved in, in the ad department, in the subscription department. The comms people, the people who handle pesky journalists. I, I was there um, sure. when you you phoned up and talked to Eileen Murphy the, the night he died. Uh, um, she was absolutely devastated. You, you, all were, you, say, yeah. you said you were devastated. The comms people, who often had to deal with David on tricky stories, loved him and were devastated. Uh, and unique, I mean... We have many great journalists. There will be great, great media columnists in the future. Irreplaceable voice.
2: So one of the reasons that Ed and I would talk to David is we wanted his perspective on the place he worked. And he was deeply concerned, and depending on what day you talk to him, optimistic or not so, about what you and your colleagues are doing to to transition the times from a place that prints stuff on a newspaper and delivers it to your house to a primarily digital uh, publication. Can you just give us an update on where you're at right now?
3: Well, I mean, we last, last year, we, we um, grew our digital revenues um, uh, uh, such that they more than offset uh, the expected secular decline in, in print advertising, in print revenues. And so we slightly, only slightly, grew the revenue of the company. Um, and, you know, we are digital revenues, which um, 10 years ago, probably south of $50 million, are... are if you include conferences and other things, heading up between four hundred over $400 million. They're growing. And we face, in terms of the transition, um, we've probably increased our digital revenues over the last decade tenfold. And the challenge we've got, which by the way is not probably about full replacement of print for many years to come. This is a hybrid world, multi-platform world. But the challenge we've got is growing our digital revenues, you know, four times, three times, four times, five times. A decade ago, it looked like that was like a challenge of maybe ten times or a hundred times.
2: When you say it's not going to fully replace the decline, does that mean that the times overall is just going to have to be a smaller publication? No, 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 no not,
3: not at all. What I'm, what I'm saying is, I think print is going to be part of the economics and profitable print is going to be part of the economics many years to come. But ultimately, I, I absolutely believe that, like you. That digital is going to be dominant, and within digital, smartphone. I think the battle for the New York Times and for every news provider in the world print will still matter, desktops will matter, but the, the battle will be won on the smartphone.
4: Well, let's talk about that for a second in terms of print versus digital. Yes, digital's long term future, but any investor who's looking at the Times today would see. There's this great digital business, it's growing 10, 12, 13% a year, 350 million a year, something like that. The print business is declining slightly, two and a half, three 3%, it's to a billion, billion two. You would look at this and say, there's a good business and a bad business, and you know you might want to spin off or even sell the bad business, and if you look at the digital side, if you look at companies like BuzzFeed, valued at eight and a half times its revenues, you apply that same figure to the Times digital business, you'd be worth a lot more potentially, just as digital versus digital plus print.
3: So you won't be surprised there, I don't, I don't accept all of the, okay. the premises in there. Um, uh, print is definitely a mature business. Right. It's a business we can still invest in. We're about to relaunch the New York Times Magazine. We've, we've got already in T Magazine a growing profit center within print. We hope to do that with the main magazine. We're launching a new men's section. Um, it's a mature business, but it's very, very closely connected to our digital business. The the eighty percent of our in quotes print subscribers authenticate to use our digital assets as well, and the experience of many, many Times readers is of a blended experience with multiple platforms, of which print is one. I, I'd caution you against thinking that 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 you've got like a, a print audience and a, and a print business, which is entirely separate from what but you're you do to But you do have value. a print
2: audience, right? And they're declining over time. There's fewer people who are print only. As I say, as as I say the always, always,
3: the, always, there's very few people who are print only. Very few.
2: Right. So and that number will get smaller. And isn't it your job to go, look, we know that number is going to get smaller. Sooner or later, it's going to get very small. Or over time, it's going to get very small. Uh, Reed Hastings and Netflix used to be a company that delivered movies to you in the mail. And they still do. But they no. basically said we're just going to wrench the entire company at, at some serious expense and risk, and just move it to a primarily That's digital level. That's true, platform.
3: but there's a key moment in the Netflix story where they pushed too far down right. that exact road, and, and actually had to do a retake uh, uh, because there was still very. They significant- changed.
2: They changed their messaging, and then they said we're sorry, but they, they never actually stopped what they were doing. They got basically rid of the DVD business. The 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 the, the key thing about our print business,
3: you're, you're right that that that. Um, aspects of the print business are declining. It's worth saying that the actual demand from readers is not declining and has not declined anything like as quickly as, as demand from print advertisers. But this is a highly cash-generative business. Um, there are billions of dollars of cash flow to be had out of the print business over the next 10 years or, and longer and longer. And um, my judgment is because in the end, The print platform and the digital platform are both fed from 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 the same newsroom. Um, That and and I say there's a lot of cash generation in the print size. That as long as we can focus relentlessly on digital growth, the print platform's continuing generation of cash helps us in the process rather than hinders us. Um, I mean I've heard people, several people, um, claim over the years that we should be shutting down print overnight as if it would kind of clear the mind and we hmm. could, we'd just get on with the series. On the with digital. It, right. My view is that it makes a lot of sense for us to, to, to carry on. I mean, ultimately, I think that many forms of broadcast TV ultimately will go. If I was running NBC, I wouldn't switch it off tomorrow. Right, and this is the core question that most the, media these are companies have, right? With How
2: do you transition away from a declining but profitable business to a well, growth the, one that's not cro- generating the same amount of money right Cross out the word right business and use the word platform. Multiple
3: platforms, some of which have got immense growth potential, some of which do not. Um, but because you're creating the IP, and you can play the IP across many platforms, it's not absolutely obvious. The key thing is... One of the central facts of of the kind of journalism we want to do, which is reported, you know, intense, invested in uh, original journalism, is essentially the more ways, the more platforms you can play that journalism out on, and the more different revenue streams you can drive from the journalism, the better you can make sense of the model. There's a high fixed cost in the journalism. And the continued cash flows we get out of print help us with that basic economics so, rather as, than... Him.
2: As those go away, can you continue to support a staff at the size and talent level that you have at the Times, or do you have to keep... Well, of- might, well,
3: to be quite clear, we have a bigger um, um, newsroom now than we did five years ago. I mean, we've been investing... yeah, Yeah, between 12 and 1,300. I mean, um, and the Times is unusual in not having... We've just been through, as you know, a, a series of uh, buyouts and layoffs just now. But, but over the period of the last five or 10 years, when many... Um, American uh, and international newsrooms were being butchered. The Times was actually investing in its newsroom. And central, central to our strategy, uh, I mean, the single most important thing about our strategy is saying our fundamental thesis is that the demand, the consumer demand for great journalism, properly reported, outstanding journalism, there's no evidence at all that's that's declining. I believe it's going to grow. Our ability to reach Readers around the US and around the world with that journalism, with relatively low cost digital um, uh, distribution, is greater than it's ever been. Last October, um, globally, Global Unique's probably 90 million, just under 90 million. New York Times used to be a paper for, for New York City. You couldn't buy it in New Jersey. It was like, you know, yeah. a million people. This is, we can reach so many more people with our journalism. And when I think about print and digital, I think, by the way, within digital, of, of desktop and tablet and smartphone. When I think about live conferences, by the way, these are multiple ways in which we can play out our journalism, and I think the more ways we can do it, the better.
4: So let's talk about the digital side of the business, then. it's growing very nicely. You're at about 900, 910,000 digital subscribers? Yeah, correct. Uh, that's split between your core product subscriber and you've yeah. got NYT now, yeah. right? What's the large, the
3: large, lo- we, we, don't, we, don't, we don't give a breakdown, but the large, it here. it's okay. 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 Just the, us. Yeah. The, the large, it's a completely safe environment. Uh, um, the large majority of them are core. Um, and, you know, uh, one thing I will say, you can derive this. Core from. meaning they've got a print and No, I mean, uh, I mean, actually, in this case, they the, the, just the traffic, main
4: app the, the, that gets that, you access that, to that, all that, the content.
3: That, right. the, there there are a NG number app, of core right. packages, uh, the cheapest of which is. Um, um, four weeks of smartphone and web for 15 bucks.
4: And just for the audience, I think that just to explain, NYT Now app is sort of the slim down version where you it's get a, some of the a, content on all work. of it. Yeah, yeah. It's how much is it now? It's like that, that's, uh, $8, eight dollars a month, $8, dollars, right? eight dollars for the same four
3: week period. And our view about NYT Now um, uh, 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 goes as follows. We think it's, it's been a kind of, in many ways, a breakthrough for us in terms of how we think about smartphone, the demographics of the people who use it um, um, are significantly different from um, and more than we thought they would be, by the way, from from the, the people who use and, and and indeed subscribe to our core. Young people, uh, meaning. Is that the idea? Well, younger people, when people use the word young people, it kind of tends to bring 18-year-olds to mind. And we're talking about, you know, a, a, a kind of center of gravity which is late 20s, early, early to mid-30s whereas the core of the center of gravity is, is in, in the 40s. Um, um, but I think the, the part of the price of that kind of success in getting that audience is um, we've not sold as many subscriptions as we would have, have liked and indeed are looking at whether uh, subscription certainly in the early stages of now, is the best way of reaching that should audience. Should you give it away, or should well, you sell? Well, we're looking at that. With cooking, which we launched somewhat after MIT. Now, we took a decision before launch have that free. the right thing to do was to build the audience with it as a free product. And, and we'll look at with now, whether free... I mean, it's not that we don't believe that our subscription business is great, but we, and the innovation report, which came out last year, emphasised this. We also have a duty which... I think to some extent was undercooked at the time for some years for fundamental audience building and one of the biggest things that's happening in the building at the moment is is work building the audience by which will by, by using tools and techniques which frankly you know I use many of them elsewhere in the industry using them to systematically Build the size of the audience. Getting your stuff onto into new eyes, in front of new eyes on other platforms. That's right, and with a particular focus on social. Though I have to say, you know, we're also doing things which are which are kind of standard elsewhere right. in the
2: industry around SEO and so forth. So, what is what is getting an audience on social mean for you? Uh, Zay Frank, who was here just now, just said that ninety-five percent of his views. Came outside of Buzzfeed.com, basically Facebook and, and you, Facebook it, is a huge part of that. He's he's growing yeah. like crazy, so he doesn't need to worry about sort of the money part of it. But when you get a, a view on Facebook or YouTube, you're generally not monetizing it, right? You need people to come to your site, to come to your app, for you to, to make click money. back to. Well, no, no, let's be
3: let's be clear. We we are we. There are a number of reasons why you want to you want to get out there with your content. Um, you want to familiarize uh, users with your content and get your brand out there. Um, uh, within, within the uh, Facebook news feed, people do indeed click back to the Times um, and we monetize them that way. Um, but we want to build a bigger, the biggest possible presence we can. And our experiences being when you grow your off platform audience, generally you grow your on platform audience as well.
2: Don't you run the risk of growing those other platforms? You give Twitter your content, you give Facebook their content. They get much bigger. How do you make sure that you're getting value back?
3: So, so the 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 this is a sort of now almost a 25 year old debate in digital. I mean, back to AOL and, and uh, uh, indeed Yahoo, the early days of the portals, buying traffic is, from one. To which is which is you know do the do, does the benefit of being out there, getting seen, getting people who perhaps otherwise wouldn't find you with your content, the, those benefits outweigh the disbenefit which is if people can see it over here they perhaps won't come to your environment um, um, my experience both in, in TV worrying away with the launch of YouTube and all the rest of it is I think the answer lies somewhere in the middle and I think broadly that the broadcasters who engaged early on with YouTube um, although there wasn't Colossal direct revenue out of those arrangements. Typically, um, I struck quite a good deal uh, for the BBC with YouTube, but generally there wasn't much revenue um, out of that. But the the presence and the scale was helpful. And my starting assumption: each case is different, each potential deal is different. But my starting assumption is typically you're better playing the game. I also believe, by the way, and the current as were, well, the current battleground is gonna be around um, third-party social um, apps. Um, my, my bias is, particularly if you believe there are gonna be multiple providers, multiple apps in the market, so there's gonna be some competition between apps, That it's better to engage. But isn't the
4: danger, for whether it's a Facebook or a Snapchat <laughs> or whatever, of course there's always a danger, we gotta talk <laughs> about a,
3: that. That's my experience, yeah.
4: Um, you know, that it, it's, it's a win-win for both you guys at the outset and then whether it's Facebook or the other third party, they come back to you and say, hey, you know what, let's, we like, we wanna change the terms of this, it's our audience. Sure, 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 sure. So, so of course, there, there,
3: there are multiple dangers. Right. There's a danger, by the way, um, of uh, of Of staying outside the party of standing in the streets. theres there's some dangers to go with that what I would say is look the issue is underdetermined we don't know what the future is going to be. I think past experience suggests that particularly when you when there are multiple players out there so you know there, it, it's not a monopsony of one person buying from everyone it it's there is some competition um, it, it, amongst the counterparties that you know, we would expect, and I believe this happened with the portals, that you know, deals can be done which are to our advantage. The Times um, has been through multiple turns of this game, um, and we're still here, we have a bigger digital audience than we've ever had, and despite multiple deals done over, probably now 23 years, I think Times had a deal with AOL in 1992, we have digital revenues which are far greater than they used to be. So, I mean. If you're saying you have to box clever, you have to look very closely at what's happening and you have to be aware, of course, that you're getting in bed with very, very big, powerful players. I would say each each circumstance needs to be considered on its own merits, but, as I say, the, certainly the, what I think I've learned over, over the years is generally it's better to engage.
2: Let me ask about a specific one. Uh, David Carr wrote last fall that Facebook was going to publishers and saying, we think we'd like to host your stuff. You can put it on our site, and we'll figure out some way to share revenue with you. And I assume they came to you and talked to you about it. And, and what do you think of that proposal?
3: Well, I, I, I don't want to talk about individual um, uh, commercial relationships. Um, last Chris Cox. Uh, um, too. Um, um, as I said, I, I believe that... Um, we're going to live through something which you can call manifest destiny or you can call a fashion where plenty of people are going to be exploring. And we've already obviously seen some very interesting, in many ways, very successful um, uh, startups like, like uh, uh, Flipboard out there already. But we're gonna see, I think, more and more of the big players thinking are the ways in which we can, we can um, uh, gather Content, high-quality content from 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 third parties, in ways which work for us, and and the third parties are going to weigh the issues I talked about. So, are Personally. you
2: okay with Facebook or a company that sounds like Facebook or Snapchat or whomever it is taking your stuff, keeping it on their platform, not sending traffic back to you, but working out some sort well, of the,
3: look the business the, the 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 business terms vary in each case, but you know it's a matter of record that we've had a. Um, uh, an interesting and successful partnership with Flipboard, for example. I mean, we're not we're not against it in principle. A lot depends on on we're not we're not against engaging in principle on on third party platforms. Uh, we're very very interested in what content is made available, um, uh, what the terms um, in terms of advertising revenue, what the terms in terms of data are, and whether or not we can also figure out ways in which. Um, third party experiences can in various ways increment our, our
4: pay meter is that, is that an important threshold for any third party to meet with you that they need to share say audience data with you Well, again, I, 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 just...
3: don't, I don't want to discuss specific kind of commercial uh, deal terms but but we'll just I, I told you, yeah, I've, t- I've, you I've just told you I've here, told so. you the, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, they, I've told you the topics that would, I would have thought come up in any, any such conversation So there's no one no go we absolutely refuse to do the following I, I, I don't think I wanna go much beyond, Peter, the, the, the topics that I think we would raise. Should we keep asking or should we move on? Let's
2: Move on. Right. You can ask yeah. all day if you want. Yeah.
4: Maybe someone out there would wanna ask.
2: Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll let you guys do it in a few minutes. Right. Um, one thing that the Times has grappled with um, is, is, is watching people who built uh, individual writers and editors, who are keenly interested in this idea, um, build up their brand, uh, and then sometimes leave the Times, sort of leveraging uh, Nate Silver. Is Nate the, Silver went to 538, sure. yes. Sure. Uh, and again, not, we'll keep talking about David, but I know David thought about this a lot too, like what would happen if I left the Times? If I become less important, maybe I can leverage that into more money, a better job. It's, there's all sorts of examples of this happening both at the Times and other platforms. How do you think about I think there are also some talent? very
3: interesting examples of um, journalists who've built up amazing brands and stayed at the Times. Uh, Tom Friedman. Uh, uh, Andrew Ross Sorkin um, uh, and I, I, again, I mean, I think the idea of... In Andrew's case, you basically allow him to have an entire second job on TV Well, that's, if you like that's, CNBC that, we're talking that's, about, right? that, that's a model, uh, in other words, that the Times didn't at the time, and it's not obvious to me that it should now have a cable TV network, and um, um, I think the idea of allowing someone to um, develop their TV career, but keeping keeping them as a great name, um, doing great journalism for the Times, really is a win-win. So, I mean, look, a lot's going on um, in terms of, as it were, journalistic careers. I think the brands of individual journalists and the sense of people who are followed in social on Twitter and elsewhere in social is gonna become more and more important. Sometimes what will happen is uh, uh, an individual journalist will think, actually, I could do better doing X, you know, Essentially, a startup, or I could be do better being poached by why. By um, David Poe going to Yahoo would be an example of that. I, I don't believe that supply and demand in the journalistic marketplace is in our disfavor, though. I think that given what's happened in journalism as a whole, and given the saliency of the Times, and actually the size of the Times' is digital audience, if you're a serious journalist and you want to reach a big audience, uh, there's very, very few places which can offer what the New York Times can offer. So I, I, in terms of the total supply and demand, um, I think it behoves us to think hard about how we satisfy more of the ambitions of our great journalists um, inside, inside the um,
2: Can you create other house. sort of spheres for them? And I mean, Polk sort of had his own thing. Uh, Nate Silver kind of had his own setup at the Times and sort of has it now already at ESPN. Can you do more of those deals? I think well, a lot perhaps, of perhaps, publishers perhaps, are but, would but, be concerned but about say. Saying- I would say that what, about that
3: what we're doing right now with the upshot, um, with David Leonhardt and his colleagues in the upshot, is, a, is an advance from 538. Five, five I, I think actually what's interesting about Nate's departure from the Times, and, and, and absolutely good luck to him, he's a, he's, a, he's a really interesting talent, but actually it provoked uh, a development at the Times and, and the if people don't know the upshot is a, is a kind of a product within the product, within nytimes.com, which is a which is a kind of uh, uh, analytical journalism. Explainer journalism
4: that. about topics of the day.
3: I think it's it. fabulous, and I think it's doing as good work as anyone's doing in that space. That's more of a team effort, though, again, with David Leonhardt, as an outstanding journalist at the top of it.
4: Are there other sort of uh, potential expressions of that? As you said, Opshot was a, was a result of the fact that people like Nate Silver were looking to go and find a different... Platform? Could the Times sure, become but, more of but, a platform but, for other but brand names? I want to
3: be clear. Every year, I think that we have got more great journalists coming in the door, at least as many great journalists coming in the door as, we, as we've got leaving. I mean, I, I don't think we have any any problem at all in attracting and retaining the vast majority of, of the great journalists we've got. I mean, I, in, in other words, I, I don't think that, that supply and demand, I mean, it's one of the most important things. The, the, human talent we bring into the building is one of the most important assets we've got. And it will be strategically terrifying if we were losing the battle to have the best journalists. I just don't think that's one of our issues. I think that we you
2: always got to work at it, but I think, I think supply and demand is in our favor. Quickly, before we go to Q&A, and maybe we'll come back to it, uh, you came from the BBC. Yeah. Um, the Times, and really every legacy publisher, old media company, has really struggled trying to figure out how to do something when it comes to digital video, web video, they've all tried and no one's really made a mark. Do you think you've figured it out yet? No, I don't. I think what we've done is we've, we, 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 I
3: think, greatly upped the, um, the quality of our, our, our video. We have an Oscar nomination this year. Uh, we're making four or 500 videos a month now, far more than we did, uh, and our um, organic video impressions are much higher than they were. Honestly, I think we're just beginning still. Um, I, I don't think the video is visible enough on enough of our digital assets. Um, uh, I think there's a lot we have to do in terms of, in a sense, marketing our video so people can find it um, I mean, the, the, the three areas I mean, actually news video making sure you've got relevant video, whether specially shot or agency video with top news stories is the first, is the first area um, series and franchises based around some of our brilliant lifestyle and other areas, examples will be our great food videos, travel videos and so forth uh, which are also attractive commercially because of the sponsorship they can attract. Video in the context of multimedia is a big area for us, both with our newsroom output and also with our paid posts, our native advertising, which is a very rapidly growing business for us. And we think, although it's, it's, I think it's further down the road, there is, there is opportunities for us in documentary and in other forms, as it were, of, of TV you're making something which is long full form length. and, and right. potentially with a partner, something which is going to be broadcast. But to be honest, it's getting the basics, bread and butter. Um, I don't believe one of the things we did early on, when I, after I arrived, was um, to get rid of Timescast, which was uh, an attempt to do a kind of like a daily,
2: which is TV the sort of standard that everyone
3: did. You'd take a couple
2: of print journalists and have them talk about what happened in the news
3: that It's amazing. How they made it's them. amazing, but you know there isn't the public are not phoning up asking for journalists. It's very disheartening. Journalists. Yeah. We're, yeah. We're, on we're journalist at that work, you know. yeah. Um, I think getting actuality-based news video is far more important. And by and large, I think there was a wrong turning. The Times did not, by the way, spend much money on this, but I think some other uh, print organizations spent a lot of money on trying to recreate, frankly, not very good cable TV news. Um, I believe that actuality-based, relevant actuality-based um, um, news video is the first piece in the in the in the jigsaw. Second piece is getting, as I say, the effectively made franchises, mini franchises, short videos based on some of your key assets. And beyond that, let's talk about something which is more TV
2: like. Good. Um, we can come back to it if we need to. But again, a uh, chance for questions for you guys. I'm sure we've got a couple here.
5: Hey, Mark Michael Rolnick. Uh, Delighted to see you here. Uh, I think the New York Times is outstanding content, and uh, I'm smack dab in your demographic. But I wanted to ask you a quick question, which is: uh, It's so hard maintaining the quality and integrity of news today, and at the same time, it's very hard running a news organization that's dependent upon technology. You have to focus on content discovery, audience development, engagement, retention, monetization, and the New York Times, like other companies has uh, sort of built its own technology platform and some of your competitors have gone out and used third party platforms and it's very hard to be both a high quality content company and also a technology company. Very few other than Facebook and a few others have succeeded. How do you plan on doing that?
3: Well, I-, I wanna say firstly that I think we should be, I mean the philosophy should be we should build where one, we're trying to seek proprietary advantage from the technology. so you know, and so building is much more likely to be focused on our immediate consumer-facing digital assets than it is on um, activities like digital advertising tech or marketing tech, which are problems which are widely solved across big industries with um, um, software which is developed by very, very big players. So... Firstly, only only build, only seek to build when uh, it's an area where there isn't an obvious or multiple off-the-shelf alternatives, and secondly, where you're trying to do something different. So, I think you you'll see us trying to focus down um, our engineering efforts on trying to win in areas like the best possible smartphone apps which feel unique, feel like there's real innovation in them, and moving away from trying to compete in technology in areas like digital advertising and digital subscription, uh, customer relationship management, and so forth, where there are good industry solutions.
5: Uh, Relate that to your CMS system.
3: Well, that's very interesting, isn't it? Because CMS is is um, it's just publishing. It's both an and. Yeah, it's just a content management system. It's the it's the it's the end to end content uh, system. Um, probably hybrid there, because uh, I mean, increasingly, I think the CMS is going to feel, you know, closer and closer um, to some of the concerns we have, where we are trying to get proprietary advantage around audience development, and also literally what we publish at the end and the end, the end end user experience. So probably with the CMS elements of both.
2: Any questions over here? Mark, I'm Rob Stoddard. Thanks again for being here. And I too want to congratulate you. I think your ease of use, your presentation on the digital platforms are really stellar. We started talking about David Carr, and I wanted to ask you a little bit about the nature of journalism today. Years ago, a lot of great journalism was driven by competition among major market dailies, between wire services. Obviously, the stage looks a lot different today. What is it that you think drives good journalism today, and who are your journalists competing against?
3: such, such an interesting big question, that one. I mean, I think competition, by the way, is, is I mean, I, I think a couple of things are happening. I mean, you can debate whether this is actually true, because I suspect 100 years ago the world looked pretty complicated too, but the world, the challenge, the journalistic challenge seems to be getting bigger. The world is harder to understand. The stories are more complex, more interrelated. Uh, um, news is now 24-7. So the first thing is the challenge for smart journalists is as great or greater than it's ever been. Some other practical things, it's actually getting physically more dangerous in many ways, particularly in, in international news to be, a, to be a journalist. So I think, in a way, what's happening to, to, to journalism is I think for the best and, and brightest young people, it feels more exciting than it used to do, less safe in career terms, as well as physically perhaps, but more exciting. Competition is is much, I think it's just as intense. David felt, clearly felt, um, part of his love affair with, with digital was, I think, a sense, because he was an extremely competitive journalist, of having a host of entirely new competitors. It wasn't a question of just, kind of trying to beat the journal or trying to beat um, uh, uh, the New Yorkers. Uh, uh, and the new competition happens in a different way. It, it happens um, sometimes in a rather messy way. Um, uh, Twitter and the way in which the first kind of shots in a in a war between different journalists racing for a story are, are fired on Twitter in very short bursts rather than in set-piece um, uh, long, long, carefully thought and fact-checked articles. I think is one of the ways it's changing. But I, I think, look. I mean, to use a, a British English term, there's an awful lot of shit out there in, in terms of uh, 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 of uh, of nonsense, poison, and all the rest of it. I think there's a lot of a lot of great journalism out there. Um, the particular thing the New York Times tries to do is. You know, a kind of a, a synthesis, synthesis, and an analysis, and a kind of completion to its journalism, which is very rare. And the other thing the Times is trying to do is to be in places where very few other people are um, in the U.S., but particularly internationally. I mean, we have 32 bureau and if you go to the world's foreign press clubs, they're kind of deserted now. Most people, even the, you know, the U.S. U.S. news networks have pulled back from that kind of absolutely front-end human reporting. So, I think, I think competition has changed a lot. I, I don't think it's got less, and I don't think that, except in areas like international reporting, the Times feels under less competitive pressure. I think it feels under more, but I think for great journalists, competition
4: is a good thing. Actually, so just tagging onto that, do you feel that it's become more dangerous for journalists? Just the, 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 matri- the preponderance of a lot of information and, and commentary out there now because of the internet has sort of amped up people who are, who are against what people are saying or reporting. Do you feel that it, it's become more dangerous for time? Well, to be I, I,
3: I, I, I'm, let's be measured about this. Um, the, the physical dangers to journalism um, have grown greater. I think there's no question about that in terms of the number of journalists um, uh, killed, um, injured, um, uh, intimidated, imprisoned around the world. Um, the the and I would say more broadly that the enemies of freedom of expression are growing in confidence and number. Uh, that way, many, the, many sovereign you- many sovereign governments uh, 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 around the world, uh, and and moreover domestically, people who are. Hostile to freedom of expression, and
2: that hostility uh, could come to you. You don't have to go out in the field to get it now. That's right. right. It can happen. It can be and at happen. risk
3: in New York City. Right. That's right. And the the publication of journalists' private addresses when they're they're said to meant to have done something. What's which your is,
2: responsibility
3: to the people that work for you when you're measuring that? When you're telling well, them, essentially, the don't we have to. I, I believe we have to do everything. I believe we do, do everything to protect the safety of our journalists at home and abroad. But I would say that journalism is it's, it's complicated because some aspects of accountability uh, um, are better now. I mean, I think that, the, the, I mean, famously, fact-checking of, of journalistic anecdotes uh, means that, that um, uh, something which might have passed muster or not been noticed some years ago is, as it were, there's a lot of fact-checkers out there who will call you out if you, uh, and that, I have to say, is in part, you have to say that's a reasonable, democratic, in some respects, positive thing, but, but, you know, it's an angry world, and um, journalists, if they're doing their jobs well, are sometimes doing their printing stories or tweeting stories which somebody somewhere doesn't want reported, and that definitely has its dangerous side. We have a question right here.
2: Hi, Maura Walsh with SubDirect. Um, I've worked with many publishers and I love what you do and I love your digital team, great people. Um, if you had your digital wish for 2015, you've talked about social, you've talked about third-party apps and platforms. I know your native advertising's taken off. What's the nut that you would love to really crack?
3: The, 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 how to present serious news on a smartphone in a way which is so engrossing, so attractive, uses all the different media so perfectly that the, even though the reader thinks they only want 45 seconds, they can't help but stay for five minutes. Engagement on smartphone. Solving the puzzle of engagement on smartphone. There
2: are a lot of folks trying to solve that. Startups like Circa. Do you see people out there who are doing this that you want to sort of steal a page from or maybe acquire? The, the,
3: the, the, uh,
2: First I first I don't think anyone solved
3: it. For what it's worth, I, I, I think that... I feel the same about, about digital advertising as well, but, that when I came to the Times and got really, really engaged with digital advertising two years ago, everyone told me it was essentially a technology issue, um, that the, 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 the issue of, of the kind of next steps were going to be technology, and it is. I think human creativity is a big part of this as well. And I think, in the same way I think part of of the smartphone engagement puzzle, which by the way applies equally to advertising as does to editorial content, is going to be solved by you know smarter better user um, uh, um, uh, user interfaces um, better use of data, so passive personalization works more effectively I think a bit big part of it is about better multimedia storytelling in the context of a smartphone screen and in, and, and in the context of the use cases of the smartphone user. And to me, it's going to be a kind of you know man or woman and machine mixture as a problem rather than a purely technical fix. So we'll have to look out for a new app
4: maybe sometime this year? You know? Well, I think,
3: you know, new app, whatever. The the significant development in, in how at the times when we think about mobile, you
2: should see this, yeah, yeah. Let's do a speed round, we've got two last questions here. Uh, I'm right here, first.
1: Hi, I'm uh, Matt Voigt, and I run a company that works with a lot of uh, large publishers. <clears throat> and I kinda feel like one of the big problems that publishers face is they're trying to be uh, everything to everyone. Um, and it's kinda hard to be a jack of all trades and, and then kinda become a master of none. And yeah. so, I'm wondering if, you feel that the future of, uh, of the newspaper is maybe more verticalized than it is today. You know, allowing uh, some, you know, allowing your verticals to almost operate as their own business units to go out and build really dynamic and engaging products um, without, you know, having to worry about the, um, the, the politics within as much and, and give them an opportunity to be um, more independent than they are, than they are today. Because I, I feel like when I go in a newspaper today, oftentimes, I might go into one section of the paper, whether it's entertainment content, or real estate, or food. Yeah. Um, and there's such an opportunity to, to build great content and maybe great products around it. Do you it. want to split yourself up into different apps? And, you know, well, I think, time look, I mean, be cooking. I, I, so I, I
3: think that the, the, the um, and again, I, 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 I mean, one of the reasons we did cooking last year, and I, I still do cooking, is, is as a kind of Trojan horse, looking at what um, a deep and pretty independent development of one of one vertical would look like. And, and by the way, thinking about it, we've got an app, but thinking about it in the context of the TV shows you can make, the live events you can do, and so forth. And I think that's part of the story. But I want to say that I, I, I don't, I'm not sure I accept the, the, the premise of your question. I, I think the consumer problem we're trying to solve, which is essentially, if I'm a consumer, I'm a, I'm a probably, you don't have to be, but probably college-educated person who wants to be able to make sense of what's going on in the world, to be informed about it in ways which help me make my political judgment about what's going on, enables me to talk to my colleagues at work and my family in an intelligent way about what's going on in the world. That, I think, is a consumer issue which, across the broad spread of news, domestic, international, business, but also coverage of arts and culture. I think they want it all I, in one place. I think that's one problem. I don't, I, in other words, I don't think that... I think that cooking, I'm looking for a great recipe for a meatloaf tonight, is a different use case, different circumstance. You're in the kitchen or you're in whole food. What do I buy? That's a different use case. But actually, I think there's a big cluster of issues, which we tend to think, because there's a newsroom with different desks, are lots of different subjects. But the, cons- the underlying consumer... Problem is about trying to understand the world, and today's world is a mixture of lots of different things. Is the Sony hacking story no, going to a culture story, or is it or... a business story, or is it an international
2: political story? So we cut him off. Yes. Uh, sorry, we got we got one more. I want to get you on your plane. Last question here. Easy one here, um, Jason Kent. Thank you for for being with us. Um, closing on a million digital subscriptions, both tremendous and I would argue underappreciated in our digital world. How do you get the next million? Where do they come from?
3: I think it's really interesting. I mean, the, the, the um, so, so the, the, there's essentially two zones to look at. Um, um, the US and the rest of the world. I'll, I'll start with the rest of the world. About a third um, of our, slightly more than a third of our usage um, by unique users outside the U.S. Um, we're way, way behind that in subscription. We've just begun to um, put elementary marketing pieces in place, allowing people in Europe to subscribe in Euros rather than U.S. dollars and so on. So, so the first thing is we've tried to... Uh, and we'll start learning how to market more effectively, but we've got you know, essentially 2 billion um, um, English speakers out there. We think we can do a much better job in, in, in getting some of those guys to subscribe. Secondly, we believe that, although we're continuing to steadily grow in the US, um, that we're not fully um, uh, exploiting the demand curve in the US. Um, and MIT now, I think is the right step towards saying, you know, we're, we're not just for people who already know their Times readers, that, that what we've got is great journalism, which is potentially um, um, of real value, deep value, to a much larger group. Um, I talked about college education. I mean, the um, college-educated population of, of the U.S. is multiple times larger than our current subscription base. Many of them already users of the times. We think if we can deepen their engagement, they're a second big source of additional subscribers.
2: Mark, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thank
1: you.